This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Sarah Medeiros. Welcome back to EM Pulse. We hope you all enjoyed the episodes that we did from the Western Regional SAEM Conference. It was our first time podcasting live, so we would really love to hear your feedback. Were there things that you didn't like? Is it something we should do again? How could we improve it? The conference was fantastic, and there were some really excellent speakers. So what we'd like to do with some of our heartbeats is take some of those speakers and expand on their stories. And one of the talks that really stuck with me was Dr. Austin Johnson's. Dr. Johnson is an assistant professor of emergency medicine at UC Davis, but he was a senior resident in Aurora, Colorado in 2012 on the night of the shootings in the movie theater during the Batman movie. In the day one wrap-up episode, Austin shared with us some of the key takeaway points from his experience. But now, let's hear the rest of his story. PD is requesting medical personnel in... In reality, it's like crystal clear in my mind. For a lot of people, it's probably just another mass shooting, right? We see them weekly now. I feel like they're always in the news. But the Aurora shooting happened at midnight. It was the opening night of a Batman movie. And a young gentleman uh, walked into, like, I don't even know, probably 20 minutes into the movie and just started shooting randomly with at the crowd. I was the senior resident out at the University of Colorado. There are two major trauma centers out there. One is about a mile away and we're about a mile and a half away. Really, I think what's interesting about how ours unfolded is that you had a lot of police on the scene right away. Because the police station, you could almost throw a rock and hit the movie theater, to be totally honest. You had a lot of police on the scene right away. You actually got ambulances on the scene pretty quickly, too. But the scene was very chaotic. There were hundreds of people running around. I think all the movie theaters just, like, emptied out. So it wasn't deemed a safe scene. And the ambulances didn't transport for quite a while. And the police started transporting. And family and friends started transporting people. As emergency medicine physicians, we're so used to a call coming in from the paramedics or from EMS saying, here's what's coming in, or at least a call saying, you know, we're sending you four and, you know, two are critical and two are not. But instead what happened was, and it was not a fault of anyone, but what happened is police started putting injured patients in cars and driving. And since we took care of like all of the police-related work within Aurora, they knew us. So they, a lot of them came to us. So we saw our first victim about 25 minutes after the shooting started. And then literally five minutes later, we had 18 patients who showed up in 15 minutes and every single one of them would have been like a major trauma resuscitation, almost every single one, not every single one. And they just showed up and most of them just showed up in the back of police cars. It was 12, 31 o'clock in the morning a great hospital, phenomenal resources for what it was. It wasn't a level one trauma center. So the emergency department was, this is before they built this beautiful new emergency department. It was relatively small. We were almost fully boarding. I think we had like six active rooms. We had patients in the hallways. We had two attendings and three residents. And this was what, I mean, our intern was two months out of medical school. So it was a pretty small team that had to take care of these patients. I remember walking out the doors when we heard these police cars showing up. My intern, who was like two months out, Avery McKenzie, who was phenomenal, 
I was getting a consent form for a patient and overheard what was going on, on the radio and came came back and said, hey, Austin, like I heard something going on in the radio. It sounds like there's like tear gas and like shooting in a movie theater. And I said, well, that seems, that's ridiculous. That's crazy, but they'll call us, right? That was the first thing in my head is like, have they, have they called us? And no, we hadn't heard anything. So we kind of got things set up, but then we heard sirens. I remember walking outside and four police cars showing up and every single one was full of, you know, like you open the doors and it was just patient after patient after patient after patient. And then it was just, it was, it was the start and we just started taking care of patients. It took time for the surgical capabilities to get ramped up, which is fine. And it was pretty chaotic for the first couple of hours, especially partially because we were, we were boarding. So like most of these patients ended up in hallways and maybe that's good to be completely honest is a lot of them ended up in hallways and they were in hallways close by, right? We put them where we could see them rather than putting them in rooms. Um, so we knew what was going on. We also had um, a lot of the house staff came downstairs. One of the neurology residents was down. The MICU attending was down because we had a patient in the back whose remodeling pump was failing, which is a great thing to be dealing with simultaneously. The house staff realized what was going on right away. You know, they started making phone calls and then the house staff came down and, and they helped. And we had, you know, neurology residents bagging patients, taking them to the CT scanner. We had, you know, internal medicine interns in the back taking care of the, some of the less injured patients. It was, you know, that outpouring of people showing up, but it was still people who were there. And it took quite a while before we all talk about disaster plans, but it takes a long time for that to actually click in and work, right? You know, no one else showed up from an emergency medicine standpoint to like see a patient for till the next morning because it just takes, it takes so long for those things to happen. Now we had a lot of surgeons who came in, but I say this over and over again, that you have to be prepared that even when you say we're going to activate a our disaster plan, you're still on your own for a couple of hours with your team, right? With everyone, you look around and those are the people you're going to be working with for the next couple of hours. And that's what we did. So there are a lot of severely injured patients. Um, when we look back at it, I think people did really well. Uh, we ended up having to transfer a few because of surgical things that we didn't have. We didn't have a vascular surgeon in the middle of the night. And so we had some pulseless limbs that had to get transferred out but we had a couple of patients go to the OR for neurosurgery. We had, I mean, we, we, had a, we had a lot of patients, some of them devastating injuries, but I think other than one woman who died, you know, I think everyone else lived, which is when I think about it, you know, relatively small emergency department, totally full packed night team, no heads up of what was happening. Uh, I think people had a good outcome for what it was. In emergency medicine, we know events like this can and do happen and they seem to be happening a bit more frequently. Obviously, those most affected are people who are injured or the families of those who are killed in these incidents. But how does this affect first responders and physicians and other emergency providers? I would say that these incidents have profound effect on providers. And I haven't spoken to a ton of them, but I, you know, I went through our debriefing. I have friends who were there who you know, have changed what they do because of this. I know people who had a lot of PTSD around what happened. We weren't at the movie theater, right? Like, why would we get PTSD? But you're taking care of, like, really, really sick patients. And you're living, you know, you're talking to them. You're asking them what happened. And so it just, it just gets crystallized in your mind, um, all those patients, right? I mean, I would recognize probably any of them 
today, right? Because those those things get burned into your mind. So it does. It has profound effects on people. I asked Austin if this experience has changed the way he practices or the way he teaches in the ED. It had profound effects on on how I think about myself as a provider and how I think about training and what we need to be good at. Um, so in the middle of the night, I teach people how to set up the Belmont. I teach people how to set up art lines. I, you know, I, I really push the residents in having to understand every little thing that's happening in the emergency department. You know, we have Alaris pumps and so you should know how to set up an Alaris pump, right? I mean, it's actually not that hard to do, but if you've never done it, you know, then it's going to be impossible to do, right? If you've never set up the Belmont, it's the Belmont's actually really easy to use, but if you've never done it, it's impossible, right? So, you know, I think those are the things that I think about. And maybe that's the only thing I teach the residents is like preparedness, right? I think it's super important to know how to do all those things. You need to be prepared. You need to understand the emergency department. I want to thank Austin for sharing his story with us. We know that this isn't easy to rehash. And while we probably can't ever really prepare for the emotional toll that an event like this would have on us, we can prepare ourselves in the emergency department for how to best deal with a disaster situation. Firearm violence is also a big hot-button issue. We've discussed it before with Dr. Garen Wintemute, and we're really excited for an upcoming episode with Dr. Megan Ranney. So stay tuned for that. As always, please subscribe, like us, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. And follow us on social media at Impulse Podcast. Thanks to the UC Davis Department of Emergency Medicine and to OM Audio Productions. Music.